you know, the Operation Christmas Child, um, every child that receives a box also goes through a several-week um, Bible program, too. Uh, and so that's a great opportunity not only to give the gift of um, things that are essential for life, but also uh, to spread the gospel around the world. If you will, please take a Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 4. And this is a text of a love and is very dear to my heart. I know it is dear to many of yours as well. Uh, I struggle with anxiety, and I know many of you do as well. And so this is um, just such a rich text that the Lord has used over and over in my life, and, and I'm sure many of yours as well. So this morning we're going to read um, Philippians 4, 1 through 9 to give us some context, and then look at verses 4 through 7 in our time together. But before we do, let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing on the reading of his word. Lord, indeed, we do ask for your blessing upon the reading and preaching of your word, for without your spirit, we cannot understand anything. So, Father, may your spirit help us to understand the text. May he move in our hearts and help us with our anxiety as we look more and more to our Savior. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, my true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Our passage this morning gives us two great um, strategies, two great ways to counter anxiety in our lives. The nearness or closeness of God and specific prayer with thanksgiving. The reality is that we don't have to live lives full of anxiety. Does anyone here else struggle with anxiety besides me? Certainly I'm not the only sinner here, right? Anxiety has always been a struggle of mine, and, um, and, and I think through seasons of my life, some seasons are better than others. Perhaps you can look back at your life as well and see when you really struggled with anxiety, and other times you seem to be doing all right. The hardest time for me was college, um, at times immobilizing fear and anxiety. I remember the worst attack I had of anxiety, a true panic attack. I was in England um, one summer working at a small ministry in Cambridge. And I was on a train ride back from Cambridge to London by myself in the middle of a country of which I knew very few people. The train ride was 45 minutes long and about halfway through, all of a sudden, I began to have an anxiety attack. And there I was, curled up, mostly in a fetal position and mobilized, praying out, Lord, help me. 
It was a fervent prayer. A very fervent prayer. Have you ever had a panic attack? Many people end up in the hospital because they think they're having a heart attack, actually. And there I was, crying out to the Lord, help me, Lord, help me. And do you know what he did? He sent someone I knew. Here I was in a foreign country. I didn't know a lot of folks. I'd gotten into what I thought was an abandoned or, or vacant train car. And there I have my eyes closed. And I hear in a British accent, hello, Parker. And it was a man I'd been in a theological conference with the week before. I didn't know he was on the train. I didn't really know him that well. But he sat and he talked to me. And the Lord used that to help me regain control. We're not powerless when it comes to anxiety. Although it often feels like that, doesn't it? When you're anxious over things with your your children or finances, of wisdom to know what to do, or even sometimes you don't even know why you're anxious. But I have really good news. We're not powerless. The scripture gives us, this scripture gives us two great strategies, two great ways to counter anxiety in our lives the nearness, the closeness of God and specific prayer with thanksgiving. We don't have to live lives full of anxiety. I don't know what it is that causes you anxiety in your life. I feel like it's different for each and every one of us. But the reality is that we all on some level do struggle with fear and anxiety. And fear and anxiety left... um, undealt with will often lead into depression. Um, Now there's a difference between anxiety, sinful worry, and godly concern. So just because we're um, concerned about something, that doesn't mean that's sin. In fact, as we look at Christ's record and Christ's example, certainly he had very godly concern when his friend Lazarus was about to die. He had very... um, Understandable concern in the Garden of Gethsemane when, in his human nature, he didn't want to go to the cross. He had great concern for the crowds when he saw they didn't have a shepherd because he knew what this meant for their souls. Certainly, I think when we're going through trials and hardships, we aren't meant to be robots and pretend like we don't have any emotions. God gave us our emotions. So so often for me, I I don't know where that line between godly concern and ungodly worry is. But you know, anxiety really in many ways is not the problem, it's the symptom. I have a lot of sinus issues, and I know many of you do as well. And um, I've had sinus surgery twice, actually, and it's been very helpful. But you know, when you go for a sinus infection to the doctor, you tell him what's going on, and he says, well, you know, well, your sinus cavities are swelling, and you have a fever, and all these sorts of things, and you're congested. Thank you, thank you, I know all those things. And you know, the, the thing is, those are the symptoms of the real problem. There's infection in your blood. There's infection of the tissue. And, and you can treat the symptoms, but until you, you treat the problem, there really will be no lasting change. And so the, the reality is that there are often many roots to our anxiety. And two that I want to explore this morning is the first, a failure to trust the Lord 
and two, a felt need to be in control. Oftentimes, our anxiety is a lack of trust in the Lord to have faith in his promises, his goodness, and his faithfulness in our lives. You know, honestly, our issues and our problems and the things which we have anxiety over us often seem much more real than the promises of God, don't they? We can see our promises, I mean, our problems, but we can only read of God's promises until we start thinking about how he has blessed us in so many ways and fulfilled every promise he has ever made to us. When we have ungodly worry over finances, what are we doing? We're failing to trust God's promises that he will take care of his children. When we have ungodly worry about what other people are thinking about us, what are we doing? We are failing to trust in that God has already given us his favor. When we have ungodly fear and anxiety over what the day will hold, what are we doing? We're failing to trust that the Lord has a good plan for us. And even if it does involve hardship, he will never leave us and never forsake us. What's the, what's the antidote to a lack of trust, of, of doubting, of unbelief? I found myself in, in Mark 9 often really appreciating that prayer of that father. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. The primary way which we fight our unbelief is by saturating our lives in the word of God, by jumping in with both feet, and being captivated again by our Savior. But the second thing that often leads to anxiety, or, or a second thing that often leads to anxiety, is a desire to be in control. Um, think through times in your life when your anxiety has been especially high. Oftentimes, those times are when it has been exposed to you in often dreadful ways that you really aren't in control of your life. We operate under the assumption that we are, don't we? As we bebop along in normal life, as we go about our normal day and our routines, those routines give us the illusion of control. But in reality is we have no control of our lives. The Lord does. And when we are painfully aware that we've had this illusion that we're in control, it often leads to anxiety. As we think about illness and how illness will invade our lives of, of our own illness or someone else that we love that we're taking care of, we're suddenly aware we're not in control anymore. We're waiting. Waiting by its very definition means that we're not in control. We see this dynamic in our relationships. It can happen to men and women, but it seems more so to affect young mothers than it does fathers. When life when not much is going on in, in normal life, we can often maintain the lie that we remain in control. But once multiple children and competing schedules and new financial pressures and growing responsibilities at work are added, we so often run ourselves ragged trying to maintain the image that we are in control. And anxiety is what comes of it. When we are struggling with anxiety, we cannot fulfill these twofold commands that were given in five and six. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. Let your reasonableness um, be known to everyone. A heart that is consumed with anxiety that I've learned so often in my own life is unable to rejoice in just about anything because I'm so consumed with what is eating me up from the inside that I can no longer see things that I can or should rejoice over. And reasonableness, gentleness, kindness, this is a tough word to translate, 
Certainly, when our lives are full of anxiety, our emotions are often um, out of control. Perhaps we've seen this mostly in, our last, in the last two years of our country, the political anxiety. I've seen it in your lives, I've seen it in my own, that our anxiety over the polls, our anxiety over candidates, our anxiety over what will happen to our country, godly concern is good, but so often it's migrated very quickly into anxiety and it's taken a toll on every one of us. Well, these are some of the problems that often lead to anxiety, but this, this text is not quiet about the solutions. It's very clear. The first is that we find that the Lord is at hand. This word at hand, I believe the NIV translates as near. That's a better translation. And if you look it up in the Greek or an English dictionary, you'll find that this word near can be taken in three different senses. You can be uh, near in the sense that you are near something. I am near this pulpit physically in proximity. I can say that I am close to or near my wife in relationship denotes a sense of intimacy. And you can also say, as um, our children love to say in the car, are we close to being there? (laughs) Please, are we there yet? Um, You can be near to um, coming. The first is proximity. Isn't it a great news? Isn't it fantastic news that our Lord is always with us? There is never a time in our lives where God is not present with us. That great promise of Joshua chapter one, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Oftentimes when we're in the car, we'll ask Thomas, who who in this love do you car? Whom in this car do you love? And he'll say, you know, mommy and daddy and Lizzie. And then we'll ask, who else is in this car? And we'll talk about how God is with us. And we love God too. I love Psalm 145. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over those who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. You know, a child who is scared of the dark thinks that he is near danger, but away from anybody who will help him. So often our anxiety comes from thinking that we are doing something alone. That no one is around us. Just like I was on that train in Cambridge, no one was near me. And then when that friend came, that help, he was near me in proximity. He was sitting across from me. And the Lord is always with us and he he has shown us that he is with us in Emmanuel. God with us, that the second person of the Trinity would come and take on flesh and would live the life like we do, yet without sin, that if we place our trust in him, he will send his Holy Spirit to not just be beside us, not just above us, but in us. Talk about nearness. We can also speak of being near in the sense of relationship, being relationship. Galatians 4, 9 tells us that we don't only know God, but we are known by God. He knows every fear, every struggle, every aspiration, every thought, and even uh, what we're gonna say before it is on our lips. What a great friend we have in Jesus, who is not only there with us in proximity, he is with us by relationship. We who were far off, we who did not have peace with God, have been brought near by the blood of our Savior, 
by relationship, by his sacrifice for us, that we might have an intimate relationship with the Lord. You think about the Garden of Eden and all the wonderful things about the Garden of Eden. But what was the greatest thing about the Garden of Eden? It wasn't that Adam and Eve would live forever. It wasn't that they could work the ground and it wouldn't fight against them. It was that they were in near, close proximity and relationship, in an unbroken relationship with God himself. And we have part of that now as we have been, um, the, the image of Christ is being restored in us. We have Christ who lives inside us. But also the second coming, we can say that he is near and that he is coming soon. Can you imagine if you were in a city that was under siege and you were told that food and water were just around the bend, they were coming to help you, a foreign army was coming to your aid. Can you imagine if you were a lonely downed pilot behind enemy lines when you could hear the the, the distinctive rotor sound of a Black Hawk helicopter? It was near to you, it was coming Or you think about the hope of a shipwrecked sailor adrift at sea when he sees a ship turn and start coming towards him. Knowing what's coming helps us and Christ will come. And all the reasons why we've had anxiety that we don't think anybody's in control, it'll be made very clear very quickly that Christ is king. So the first strategy when we deal with with anxiety is realizing that God is near us. He has not forsaken us. But the second is specific prayer with thanksgiving. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. How many times have we said in a bad situation, all we can do is pray? Shame on us. Shame on me. Prayer should be the first, middle, and last thing we do. It should saturate everything we do and every trial we go through. Before we try the practical helps, we should start with prayer. It's not the only thing that we can do. It's the only thing we can do. It's the only thing that will give us true help, true hope. We are commanded to let our requests be made known to God. It doesn't mean that God doesn't know what's going on. But it might be silly to say, but it's true. We haven't asked until we've asked. Have we asked? Have we asked specifically for help? Prayer here is a generic word for what we, can, what we do when we come to the Lord. We can pray against things. We can pray for things. We can pray for help. But here, supplication or petition means to ask for help, believing in a specific situation. It is the prayer of faith of James 1 and the prayer of a righteous man in James 5. Have you been specific about your issues? I find that just the the process of coming before the Lord and bringing him specifically what I'm praying for brings great peace in my life. I know I've said it before, but I'd always call my dad and say, Dad, I'm facing X, Y, and Z. And he said, he just stopped me halfway through. He said, Parker, have you prayed about it? You know, I started at one point, I would call him and while it was ringing, I'd say, Lord, I pray this would help. So that when he asked me that question, I could say, yes, Father, I have it. I have prayed for that. I'm sure you've never done that before. Um, But our our prayers should not just be specific. They should be done with thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful about, just as Charlotte has told us. And so often in our anxiety, we get caught up about what's coming and we think that God has never, ever helped us in the past. That he's never come through for us. And then we stop and we think, we start counting all the ways that he's helped us and all the things that he's blessed us. We just go on and on and on and on and on for all of eternity, and perhaps we will. 
And then we realize, man, God really is in charge. And he really is going to help me. I remember a few weeks ago, I had a bad day of anxiety. And I, I prayed for the things that I've taken a vow before the Lord to pray for every day. And then I, I just stopped. And I, I spent the rest of my prayer time just thanking him for things he had done. The result is, when we do that, is the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This word guard here means to be a century, uh, not to be a century old, to be a century, like a, a warrior. Remember, Philippi was founded by retired Roman soldiers and so they would immediately understand the context The peace of God will stand guard over your hearts and minds when you call upon the Lord who is near with specific prayer, with thanksgiving. Can you imagine having peace? Can you imagine having um, peace in the midst of illness, failure, um, or issues with the family? No, it surpasses our understanding, and that's exactly what God promises here. Peace does not necessarily mean that God is going to take away the situation from us. Oftentimes, most of the time, he doesn't. But he gives us peace in spite of it. I love what one commentator said. He said, by nature, man is totally unable to understand this word peace in the midst of hardship, just as a blind person cannot understand a sunset. He's never seen it before. And so too, we in the midst of our situations cannot understand how God can give us peace. I saw it this week. Had a man come in here uh, Wednesday And by the time he left, he had become a believer. And man went from sobbing uncontrollably to to having physically the peace of God given to him. The peace of God was guarding his heart and his mind in Christ Jesus, his new Lord and Savior. Well, ultimately, we have peace because the Prince of Peace came and he died on the cross that there might be peace between us and God. We didn't deserve it and there wasn't peace before he made it so. He paid the price for our redemption, for our ransom, and he paid the price for our peace by laying down his life for us. This he does because he loves you. So how are you doing with anxiety? How are you doing? If you're like me, you have good days and bad days. Personally, I found that the more that I look to Jesus and the less I mull over in my mind what I'm going through, the better. The more I pray, the more I remember the gospel, the more I turn to the Lord who is always near me, the more I can walk by faith and peace. Ultimately, the Lord is near. And one day he will come and make all things new. And that's why we can sing in faith the the last verse of this hymn. And and Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love that you've lavished upon us in the midst of both good times and ill. Forgive us, Lord, when we um, lead lives full of anxiety, not, um, not availing ourselves of the hope and the help that we have in you. Help us, Lord. Help us to rejoice always and to let our reasonableness be known to all. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.